0: Super Talk Mississippi media production.
1: Have you heard all the rave about the new Quick Grill located inside the Be Quick Chevron on Veterans Boulevard? Come visit Be Quick Chevron along with Quick Grill, Be Quick Food Marts, your locally owned hometown convenience store, wherever you are. This is Rebecca Turner and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi.
0: It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. But
1: I'm going to be- Afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the Good Things. I'm your host Rebecca Turner. Don't forget you can listen to Good Things. We are streaming live over at SuperTalk We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app, and of course you can always find us too on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk at Super Talk TV, and you'll get a glimpse of the two new species that are making their debut at the Hattiesburg Zoo. How exciting is that? Joining us is animal curator, Kristen Moore, to tell us a little bit more about these new additions. Hey, Kristen. Hey, how's it going? Well, not as exciting as it is there at the Hattiesburg Zoo. Is it like all hands on deck, full party when there's new members coming to town? Yeah, it
2: really is. Uh, We've all been working really hard getting them uh, acclimated to to us and to our our zoo and then putting them out on exhibit so it's been it's been a lot of fun but it's been a lot of work
1: okay so what is coming or what is there or that's new now at the Hattiesburg Zoo
2: so we have uh, a brand new antelope out on what we call our African belt that's the area that is our zebras our um, ostrich that area Um, it's a little bongo he's uh, about a year and a half year old Uh, he is Gorgeous! He is brown with beautiful stripes and great big horns. Um, He is just a phenomenal animal. He is very, very sweet. He really, really likes people. He does like to hide a little bit during the day because Bongo, they're a species that like to sort of be in the shade like most of us do. Uh You might have to look a little harder for him, but he is out there, and there's always a keeper around uh, ready to point him out to you. So definitely go check out him. And then also we got in – three a little older spider monkeys we got them in from the puerto rico zoo um we got them in way back in may and they've been in quarantine ever since so we just put them out on exhibit last week and they're in south america right where the lemurs are
1: I feel like some of us have been called spider monkeys in our life because we bounce around and move and do all the things, you know, and one thing and the other. Do they live up to the hype of, like, what when you call someone that out of, you know, just fun, or are they a little bit more chill than what we we would like to think?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. So the younger ones definitely are, and so are these guys. I mean, they'll climb all over the place. You'll see them up high more than you will down low. Um, but they are, these guys are a little bit older. They are in their early 20s. And spider monkeys can live to be in their 40s, so they still have a long way to go with us. Um, but they are, they're definitely mature adults at this point. But you'll see them all hanging out together and pretty much cuddled up. They like to hold on to each other a lot. Um, they have a prehensile tail, which means that tail can be used as a whole extra hand for them. So you'll always see them holding on to something with that tail or holding on to each other. Uh, they're a lot of fun they've a lot of personality <laughs>
1: Well, I think it's always exciting when you got something new there at the zoo for people to come back out and sort of get excited to see, even though you can come all the time there at the Hattiesburg Zoo, and it's always going to be a great time for the family. You mentioned, Kristen, that there's a lot that goes on to get these, uh, get a new species onto the campus of the zoo. How You mentioned they got there in May, particularly the spider monkeys. How long has it been in the works to get these two new uh, additions to the zoo, even to opening day, if that's the right word? So I don't think it's opening yeah, day, but you know. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's appropriate opening day, yes. At least opening for the the species that are going on exhibit, for sure. So our bongo took um, a little longer. Uh, We had to basically had to work with the Montgomery Zoo is where he came from. Um, And so it just takes a little while to get paperwork done, transfer stuff done, and then transport is always a big thing. No one really thinks about the transport part of an antelope, but you have to bring them in on a trailer. So like you have to set all that up. And then they do come to us and they do quarantine for at least 30 days to make sure that they are healthy enough to be introduced into our population. Now when the animal is in quarantine, we still take care of them. So it just, It's a whole process throughout the day of, like, when we go and take care of that animal versus the rest of our our collection. The spider monkeys were a much more interesting story, though. So we got a random email through through one of our many partners that we work with, the which is the species survival program, um, basically saying, hey, the Puerto Rico Zoo is closing. That was a whole situation. Feel free to Google it and read up on it. But basically, they just... The U.S. Justice Department decided they no longer needed to be open, so they had to move all of those animals off of Puerto Rico very, very quickly. It was a whole process to be done, and they were like, we are moving fast. So they actually, we got the first email in April. We received the primates in May, and a keeper and myself drove to Dallas to pick them up from there and drove them all the way back to Hattiesburg.
1: So if you get too new there at the zoo, at the Hasberg Zoo, do y'all make space, like build space for them? Like I know a couple years back, y'all built a great new place for the giraffes and sort of expanded. Or does that mean that someone who was once there found a new home from your zoo, like a traveling sort of species? Or, <laughs> I mean, you can only host so many, Kristen, at that one time. True. There's only so many beds <laughs> in the inn. Yeah, that is
2: absolutely true. So we do a lot of mixing species exhibits here at Hattiesburg, which is something that the zoo community as a whole is really going to, these animals obviously just don't live by themselves in the wild. So the goal is for us to mix species together so that we can have more dynamic habitats and more natural-type habitats for these animals. So no, nobody left, everybody is still here. Right now we are um, in the process of planning to build a new uh, lemur exhibit. So our lemurs will eventually move over to the Africa section and the spider monkeys will have their enclosure to themselves and then maybe something else that we add in later. But all of our guys are still here, no one has left. Uh, so just, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, when they come in, we do have a whole separate area behind-the-scenes that is our quarantine barn area. So public members use that. Um, that's just a place for our, our new guys to go before they go out into their habitat.
1: There's just so much going on behind the scenes that I think families just don't appreciate when they come to enjoy everything that looks it's like a duck, calm and peaceful on the top, but then, you know, the busy little feet sort of on exactly. the bottom. And exactly. I think yeah. what cool jobs too for you to have as an animal curator, Kristen. I mean, I think about like what I do every day and some people may find it uh, fascinating, but I would assume there are no two days that are exactly alike for you or anyone else there that works at the zoo. Not even
2: a little bit. Now, every day is completely different. <laughs> every day's <is> different. <laughs> so it is a lot of fun. Uh I have an amazing team that we work with. Um, from just our our keepers to our guest services. They jump in and help. Our feed and beverage jumps in and helps whenever they can. Uh our facilities are great. And then our outside of our zoo community, we are connected with several different facilities and we all help each other out. It really is. One giant zoo community across the country. So there's a lot of things in the works that people just don't they don't quite realize, and maybe one day we'll do like a, a behind the scenes thing for people to see a bit. Uh, They get a little bit more insight into all the little nuances that we
1: do. I think that would be amazing. I think you you guys would you'd have more people who would be interested than you think about what y'all y'all do it on the day to day basis and it probably seems mundane and routine, but like I'm fascinated on who like does their food and like you know, as a dietitian by trade, there's a whole sort of sector of being animal dietitians. I'm like I missed it. They're probably better clients than humans sometimes but <laughs> sometimes. <laughs>
2: sometimes sometimes they're real picky <laughs>
1: <laughs> so are humans so you know there you go um how many species are there at the Hattiesburg Zoo um we have
2: Ooh, that's a great question um I'm thinking off the top of my head so I might get this number wrong I believe we have uh 70 plus we have 70 plus different species at the zoo I'm not going to give you an exact number because I'm thinking off the top of my head here um but they we have we have quite a few different species, uh, and of course, there's always more exciting, fun things coming up in the future that I'm sure I'll be talking to you about.
1: Absolutely, and we're moving into those fall months where it's perfect to go to the zoo and visit. Yes. I mean, the summer's great, but it's hot. <laughs> so oh the animals are hot, you're hot, everybody's hot. Okay. So it feels, Everyone's hot. Yeah, so it feels like the fall is the great time to come out. So if someone's never been there, kind of, what are they missing out on? How would you sort of encourage families to put the Hattiesburg Zoo on their to-do list?
2: Oh, yeah. We, uh, we are so much fun. So it's a nice zoo because it's a little bit smaller for those young kids. because so if you've got like under the age of six or seven, our zoo is a perfect size for you. Um, uh, it's been very hot. Um, we have our splash pads still open because it is still warm out. So come out and see that. Uh, we've got giraffe feeding every day. We've got keeper chats every day where you can, you know, ask keepers all kinds of questions. Uh, we've got our soft experience that is, uh, Saturdays and Sundays now. Uh, We have a lot of stuff going on. Uh, It's just, it's a a zoo where you can get really up close to the animals. Um, They're not quite as far away as some of the other facilities. Um, So it's just, it's a really fun place to come. And, you know, Hattiesburg itself is a lot of fun. There's lots of things to do down here besides the zoo. I mean, if you're coming to Hattiesburg, you might as well visit all of our museums and uh, check out the Sanger Theater and walk around downtown. Go to the Pocket Museum. That's one of my favorite places to go is the Pocket Museum. Changes every month. So I love that place. Um, so it's just a fun town to come to. So yeah, put us on the map for sure.
1: Put you on the map and come out and see the two new species, which are spider monkeys. It's just is fun to say. And then the bongo yeah. antelope. No, no disrespect to him. It's just not as fun. <laughs> uh, but Kristen, you're welcome back any time love what you guys are doing there um at the Hattiesburg Zoo, and I appreciate you. Yeah thanks so much for having me appreciate it. Alrighty you guys stick with us. We got more for you coming up next.
3: To
0: be. This is me Look out, it's here I come. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's good things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: I wanna follow where she goes. I think about it and she knows
1: it. I wanna let it take control every time that she can You can watch, watch good Day. things We are on your computer Your mobile device Just head on over to Supertalk TV Don't forget our Supertalk Mississippi News team Is covering your Mississippi stories So stay up to date You can sign up for the free Weekly newsletter At supertalk.fm Slash newsletter And then coming up Thursday You've got Empower Mississippi's Third annual policy summit At the two museums uh, Brings together state leaders Policy experts For a solution-centered discussion On how to tackle Our biggest challenges And to help all Mississippians Rise. Gerard will be there with Middays on Thursday talking to state and national policy experts about education, the economy, criminal justice. If you want more information, go to EmpowerMS.org to get your tickets today or just stay tuned in right here. You'll get that Thursday from 10 to 1 with Middays. Today is your day, Rhino, and all the other gamers out there can unite. It is national video game day, and I feel like there's a underworld of gamers out there, both young, old, nostalgic, who are celebrating this day by, I don't know like every other day playing their favorite video game. But I feel like we all fall into... Nobody hate that... Okay, you may not classify yourself as a gamer. I do not. I have never played a game on that you use like a computer board, like getting all um, sophisticated. I don't know if I've ever played a game on an Xbox or 360, but there are definitely childhood memories of Nintendo and the Atari and then being able to go and actually play... On the video games, at when you know your pizza places and your arcades used to have sort of the original that you could put in Pac Man and the Space Blaster thingy, medoodle, i can't think of the name of it now. So it's something I feel like, even if you don't classify yourself as a gamer, we all have positive memories of playing some form of video game. It's kind of like in the American nature—is it American? Thi- were video games an American thing, Rhino, or do they come from somewhere uh, else? Do we steal them?
3: Kinda. I mean, the American market has been pretty much the end-all, be-all of whether or not a video game makes it, quote-unquote, and and makes a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but Japan is pretty gung-ho for their video games.
1: I would think so. The way,
3: think back a couple generations now to arcades and how popular arcades were and how prevalent they were you had them all over the place nowadays you don't see very many arcades no because it video games have tended more towards home consoles and Mm -hmm. and playing from the comfort of your couch japan has that and japan has arcades so i think they might have us beat on on video game frenzy
1: the arcades now, and you may check them out, like, at Margaritaville, and then I know there's some on the Gulf Coast at different places. You know, it's not the same as back in the day. I mean, you get the little card, and it's you just throw away money pretty much. Like You just throw money into these machines. Kids' casinos. Kids' kid casinos is a great way to sort of put it. But they're not the same anymore. They're too, to me, they're a little too high-tech, with some of them. Like, they get a little too complicated or too much going on. It's more of, like, the sim- simple ones that I feel like, you really gravitated towards as a kid to sort of get that that you appreciated? Or maybe I'm just finally getting old enough that I'm an old fogey, and so the new stuff doesn't hit sort of the same. But Yes
3: and no. I mean, our generation got to experience something in video games that no other generation will ever experience. I don't care what they say about virtual reality. It's cool, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a novelty. It, it hasn't quite made strides to the point where it can really take over. But our generation remembers the old style of video games, the two-dimensional graphics, the the characters on a screen made out of pixels, and the transition from that into three dimensions. We lived through that our our formative years were we're playing those games And that's not something that's ever going to happen again. You're never going to see that big of a jump in the quality and capabilities of a video game system or platform anywhere near that.
1: That's true. It's something that I guess we, our generation takes a little bit more for granted, and I can appreciate the more simplistic sort of forms. One thing that has jumped, um, I think, over like women's interest in gaming, I think has gone up like 46 percent, they say, in the last uh, couple of years, and I think that's more of like – the gaming on the computer is getting a little more competitive, sort of doing it all the way. But anyway, there was a, you know, highly scientific, well-done study on the most popular female gaming characters across the United States. Guess who you, who is the – who would you pick for Mississippi to be Mississippi's most popular female gaming character? So that was talking about females are getting more interested in gaming. They use that kind of as a springboard, and then they look to see what are the most popular female gaming character so it was two different things not gamer it i confused myself
3: i'm just gonna guess tomb raider
1: it's princess peach oh well
3: <laughs> even simpler she,
1: she is the most popular female gaming character in mississippi and so coming in second is lady demetrius Demi- oh yeah you say it
3: oh i I have no idea how Great. to actually pronounce it. I just know it's from Resident Evil. Good. Never played it.
1: Appreciate that I am not the only one who struggled there. She's
3: a big tall lady with a big black hat and a white dress and claws.
1: And All right. And then the third most popular is Chun-Li. Street Fighter. Street Fighter. So those would be the three most popular female gaming characters. Would that be... So Princess Peach is my, t- my time. I know Princess Peach! <laughs> I never chose her often, which is very sad. I think i always lend towards... Well, in
3: the first several games, she wasn't a playable character. She was kind of the goal. She was what Mario was trying to... She was the person, the character Mario was trying to save. Like, if you go back to the original Super Mario Brothers, Princess Peach was who Bowser kidnapped, Mm -hmm. and Mario was going through the Mushroom Kingdom to try to save Peach, and every time he went to a castle, there's another... Toad sitting there going, the Peach is in another castle.
1: Keep going. She just, she she's a flight risk.
3: It wasn't until you got to the more 3D games and multiplayer games and stuff where you had Peach playable in Smash Brothers. You could play her in Super Mario Striker, which is a soccer game where she had a specific skill. I mean, once once they needed to expand the, the number of characters so that more people could play the same game, She very quickly became popular.
1: I feel like Brad Paisley's Waiting on a Woman is probably how Mario felt or is chasing after a woman. There's probably a song after that because he really worked hard for that over the years. I didn't realize there was 236 or more female gaming characters. That's how many they polled in this (laughs) highfalutin scientific research that came out to say Princess Peach was the most here um, in Mississippi, which really they just did it by Google searches again your data is being collected for our content conversations today but i think that's kind of uh, kind of neat do most of the games now like you get to choose characters still is that how or is it more of like you just play the game
3: i mean games nowadays what well, depends on what what type of game i mean there are some games where you're picking from a, a list of characters based on what they can do what they look like what they can't do stuff like that but then there are some games like one of the new games that just released, Starfield by Bethesda. It's got a really in depth character creation system where you go in and you can get down to the minute detail of well, I want their nose to be like this and I want their eyes to be this far apart and I want their skin tone to to have this color shade to it and all kind of craziness to it. Hmm. Where you you can look, look you can look at a mirror and try mm-hmm. to make that on the screen Or if you have a famous person that you want to play as, you could try to recreate – I mean, there's – no. The, the possibilities are limitless.
1: Martha says Peach has some skills too. Oh yeah, it will be interesting with Barbie, and then I, I know Barbie's not a, a game, but then you had the Mar- the the height of the Mario movie. If this coming up uh, Halloween, if you'll see a bunch of Mario, Luigi resurgence and Peaches, and then Barbie, like, it'd be interesting to see like what the kids will be going out as with the popularity of the of the movie just right behind us. Rhett and Ridgeland said, as a nerd. His words, not mine. I can tell you that TV tennis, electro tennis, was mm-hmm. released in Japan just a few months before home pong as the first home console system. So we usually, they do tend to kind of start the trends, and then we kind of pick oh, yeah. up up on um, sort of on a line of them. First video game you ever played?
3: It's got to be Super Mario Brothers on the original Nintendo, the 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 dual one where you had huh. Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt.
1: I actually got to the play an Atari because I had an older brother that had still had one sort of stuck around the house and played that and then quickly I we were definitely in on the I had to have it for Christmas as soon as Nintendo came out, like everybody else. You, you remember you remember getting it. You either got it for Christmas or you got it for your birthday. It was like the big gift back back at the day. Back in the day. Alright, stick with this. We got more for you coming up next. That's a good thing. Don't forget you can watch us on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. And any one of you who have attended a football game at Davis Wade Stadium, you know that cowbells, well, they are a big part of the atmosphere. And you got fans of all ages that like to ring their little bells. Well, on the game on September the 2nd, you had five-year-old Brooks Glenn. He brought along his very first cowbell, and that's where his story starts. And joining us to tell the rest of it is his dad, Cameron Glenn. Hey, Cameron. Hey, how y'all doing? We're doing well. This is really caught storm. Folks are just really vested in Brooks's little cowbell. So walk us through that Saturday. It seemed like it was a good one there at Davis Wade Stadium until it wasn't.
4: Yeah, it was great, you know. Points scored, wins. You know, uh, really good to be there and have just have a good time and soak it all up. And uh, uh, I think the biggest thing about it was we had bought him a football earlier at the gift shop or at the bookstore, and tried to walk in with it. It was just a little small football like they'd throw out at a a high school football game or whatever, and they wouldn't let us bring it in. So they took it up at the gate. So as soon as we were leaving, I was like, we got to get to the security gate so we can get the football. I was thinking about that more than anything. So I kind of ran out of my seats to go get that. And once we got it back, we were so excited about getting it back. And uh, so I was just checking the bag, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I left this cowbell i was like this is terrible so i just like snuck back in real quick to go get it and uh these people that were sitting in front of us were like oh man did you come back to get the cowbell I was like yeah 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 you got it and uh they were like man somebody just came by and got it just a minute ago i was like were they gonna turn it in he's like uh, i don't know i wouldn't let them get it if i knew you were coming back and i was like man i hope they try to turn it in and so
1: and that's where that's it started. That's the
4: last third. That's the last we heard about it.
1: Well, first though, what's okay? Other than the fact that I mean, he, it's his first. Was it was it Brooks's first game being five, or is it just his first game with his first cowbell?
4: Well, we got to go last year to the first game with Memphis, but it got rained out, and so we didn't stay. It didn't get started back until like I want to say it was like nine thirty, nine forty-five before they started the game back. So we ran back. We live in Corinth, Mississippi. So we drove back to Corinth and just watched it on TV. Uh, so he, we, I, I wouldn't really call that his first game. So uh, that Saturday was his very first full game. And so yeah, we wanted to take his little cowbell and ring it.
1: So show how, him how to do
4: all the cheers yeah. and all that stuff, and he was loving it. Was how did he
1: get it. his cowbell? I know y'all, like, is it, it's not one that's been passed down to the family. I know there's a, a, I don't have a cowbell, not that, that invested in Mississippi State, but I know a lot of folks, <laughs> the cowbell is like a, a tradition to be gifted and all the things. So how did Brooks get his first cowbell?
4: You know, I think on the post, we were just stuck in traffic. I thought, I thought at the moment that it was a, uh, Christmas present from like my mom or my dad. I mean, cause that was just what made the most sense at the time, but I, after going back and paying so much more attention to this story myself, is uh, my girls' soccer team. I coach. So, I coach soccer at Corinth High School. My girls' soccer team threw a baby shower for me uh, before Brooks was born, and I went back and looked and found a picture, and it was one of the gifts that they gave me. So. Oh. Oh, so it's
1: even worse. It's even worse. Okay. So you made the Facebook post in the traffic, just putting it out there like, Hey, by chance, if you grabbed this is what a cowbell, this not yours. This is what it looks like. And we've got it posted at Super Talk TV. It's a, it's a white cowbell with the Mississippi outline of the state and maroon with obviously a maroon star there for, for Starful. And what happened next?
4: Well, I mean the uh the original the original one is the much smaller one where he's wearing maroon. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that's that the one where he's wearing maroon is the uh is the original. The one of the little small cowbells, little bitty ones that's I mean, I know a lot of people think that cowbells are annoying, but when you ring those, they're very annoying. Very high pitched little tink tink tink. So uh It just—it was just a post, you know. I was like, oh, no one will ever see this. I—I'd never even heard of the page myself on Facebook, and I've been a Mississippi State fan since day one. I'd never even heard of that page before, so I was like, man, no one will ever see this. This is just a desperate attempt, and it just is what it is at this point. And then uh, we got home, and I got in the bed and started looking at it, and I mean, it had already been shared like fifteen hundred times by like within like two or three hours. I was like, what is going on with this? You know. Said this is crazy, and then just over the weekend it was just it just exploded, and I, every every time I turned around I was getting another Facebook message from somebody in another state trying to buy him a cowbell, trying to uh, hey what's your what's your cash app? Let me send you some money so you go get him a cowbell and stuff like that. It was just. Super and truly, kind.
1: And now you haven't found the cowbell, so you're still on the look for it. Obviously, that would be a great uniting story. But we do oh, yeah. obviously see Brooks got an upgraded cowbell. So that's the one they have the picture on Super Talk TV. So how did he end up with his new upgraded cowbell?
4: Well, there was a lot of people that, that wanted to buy him one. And, you know, as as much as I would love to take him up on that, take all these people up on that, at the end of the day, I mean, that would have been a great story. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, I walked out and left his cowbell. So I wanted to take him to the store and just say, hey, look, man, here's these cowbells. I want you to pick the one that you want. Pick whichever one you want. And uh, that's what we're going to do. And so I just bought him a new one at Maroon and Company in Starvel right off the campus. And I uh, let him pick out a, a, a couple of stickers to put on it because you got to decorate it up your way, you know and uh and he just picked the sticker that he wanted we put it all together for him and he rang he rang it to death the other night Oh
1: so. that's awesome but i think you but, said that there's more you know there is more to this story than just that so for you as his dad and obviously sharing that love of mississippi state and the history behind the cowbell with your son who's 5 what did it mean to you to see the community that came around just trying to find it
4: I was just i mean I, it's just awe inspiring i mean i really don't even know how to describe it and uh i wanted i want to make sure and say something like it's just you know we're a big christian family and we we raising our kids in church and i think that's really important and the bible talks a lot about uh being a servant more so than uh you know having selfish intentions or it's better to better to give than to receive and a lot of stuff like that and and, and i just Honestly, it just felt God working through this story, uh, showing people that you know. A lot of times, you turn on the news, and it sounds like maybe the world's not so great anymore. And I just, I think through this, it just definitely proved that wrong. There are so many good people in this world, and you just don't hear about it. You just don't hear. You don't hear a lot about it. It's not. It's not the status quo. But there are so many good people willing to help from states away, a complete stranger help his kid find a cowbell or get a cowbell, you know? And something as so simple as that, as silly as it was, just brought people together. And I, I honestly just think that's just God's work right there. Well I mean, Cameron I, I really it, can't I can't describe it any other way.
1: It's definitely God's work because we had on our text line, Derek and Greenwood said, I am an Ole Miss fan and I shared his post. Hopefully the little guy gets <laughs> gets it reunited. But I think too that goes to show just the, the fellowship and the beauty of, of you know college sports and the like mindedness and understanding tradition and history and the connection and all the things and so you know for many Mississippi State fans, a cowboy fan cowbell is not just you know a cowbell it's there's a little bit more of emotion and connection to it and the and the to me too it's the spirit of you getting to share that as an alumni you know with your son there's the whole there's all the emotions sort of tied into that that little piece of annoying metal and it, it so, <laughs> seriously
4: is it seriously is and I'll tell you a funny story uh one of my one of the guys I coach up here with is a great guy and he's hardcore all miss fan like lives and breathes it and uh he said, you know, he came with me the other day, and he said, you know, I get it, man. He's like, I'm not a fan of the Cowbell. He's like, but as an Ole Miss fan, I know that that's your kid's first Cowbell. And as an Ole Miss fan, I know what that means to a Mississippi State fan. He goes, so I, I sympathize with you. So, I mean, you're right. If It is God's work if Ole Miss fans are feeling that way about cowbell.
1: So, okay, so, Cameron, there's a chance someone listening to good things, we are in all 82 counties here in Mississippi, may have connections. So where were y'all sitting? Kind of give us the rundown. That's the September the 2nd game. It's a small Cowbell. Where were you at in case someone, uh, you know, feels a little, little nudge right. that maybe they should return it?
4: I can tell you exactly where we were sitting. Section 20, uh, I think it was uh, row 21, seats 5 and 6.
1: Alrighty, so if you walk by. Or if your kids came home unintentionally, like, hey, I didn't steal it, it was left, and you unintentionally found a a smaller cowbell within your mix there, maybe reach out and see. We would love to reunite him.
4: Yeah, it's a very small cowbell. It's maroon and uh, it's blank on one side, and it's just got a little painted bulldog face on the other one. It was just a little gift shop cowbell that that my soccer girls had purchased for me. Uh, For him, you know, it was for him at that baby shower.
1: Well, he will know. It. He will have a memory attached to the cowbell for sure. You and your whole family, as well as the ten thousand other plus who shared that story. <laughs> so, I appreciate your time today. Tell little Brooks we said hi, and you know, if we get any any tips, we'll pass those along.
4: I appreciate that so much, and thank you for telling my story and telling our story, telling his story. It's just so so crazy how it all happened, and uh, I'm I'm honestly thankful that it did happen. It gave us the opportunity to. Uh, appreciate cowbells maybe just a little bit more and uh, appreciate what what god's doing in our lives hug your
1: kids and hang on to your cowbells (laughs) and put
4: your name and your number in your cowbell if you got one do it
1: (laughs) (laughs) do it it matters all right thank you cameron you got stick with us we got more for you coming up next To good things, and we are streaming live at virtsupertalk them. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can also find us on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. You can also catch Good Things in podcast form wherever you listen to podcasts. It is National Video Game Day, and we asked what was your first video game you ever played or one you remember, I guess, connecting to. Dan in Hattiesburg said my first game was Combat on the original Atari. And then Mike from Chicago dropped this on me. Mario first saved Pauline, is that correct, in the original Donkey Kong game. And from Donkey Kong himself, he was he a two timer with Princess Peach? I don't know, or did he or did Pauline drop him? He just saved her Did they I mean did they
3: I think it had to have been a messy breakup because he he stopped going by Jump Man and started going by his given name Mario because did, his name was Jumpman in Donkey Kong.
1: I don't think I re, I mean maybe if you had a gun to my head and had to stop and really think about it, but I've never connected the dots that they're the same character.
3: That it's Mario running up the, the pink scaffolding to get to Donkey uh-huh. Kong?
1: It just never... I don't know. I never pay... The, I guess well, that in that fairness,
3: should... it is, what, eight pixels tall on a screen, so...
1: Does that just mean that people who are creating video games in the beginning, they just were like, hey, this character can be... Because you don't... Do you see any other characters in any other games?
3: I mean, they sort of
1: go back and forth? What do you mean? Well, like, you have Mario and Donkey Kong didn't know that, and then... But then he was in Mario. Right. This two separate games I think that are there was more, cross pollution
3: uh, maybe a little bit more not necessarily as p- main playable characters I think there are Easter eggs back and forth where you might have something in the background of one game that's from another game and usually those are because in the in the early days of video games there weren't a whole lot of people that knew how to do it knew how to program the games or build the cabinets or stuff like that. So you had a a bit of crossover in the, the sense of one person might have an idea for a game, but their current employer either wasn't interested in getting into video games or just didn't like the idea, so they may leave and go to another place and there there wasn't a whole lot of non-disclosure agreements or contracts or anything that prevented it until later on.
1: It would've been interesting if like you I think like who so Mario and Luigi kind of were the beginning and then what if like they did just I mean they're fa- the
3: beginning for home consoles.
1: Yes. What if they just found themselves in different unfortunate scenarios, like, you know, you just take them and drop them like <laughs> now put them in you know, for the Duck Hunter. Or then put them in the whatever. Like you just have these these two little brothers that they just just dropped into these different worlds. And you have to refigure them out over and over and over again. It would have been interesting. Nobody asked me, though. I didn't even know that they were the same one.
3: If I'm not mistaken, though, I think the main reason the same character from Donkey Kong became Mario is because it was – you're limited when you're using that small a number of pixels to create a character. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a limited number, especially with earlier machines, you had a limited number of colors, you had a limited number of frames that you could use to show that they were moving, so like jumping or running or something. So when you have a character that's so well made for for Donkey Kong and, and Jumpman that became Mario, where you can tell he has a hat, he's got a mustache, he's wearing overalls. Things like that that are details you can see on the screen in the space of just tiny little pixels, you almost had to reuse that. Yeah, I get that. Because it's such a good idea, whereas when processing power got faster and better and stronger... You had more options. you, You could make your characters more detailed, and it required a little bit less creativity and a little bit less imagination, and that's another big difference in... Old school gaming versus new gaming. New gaming, they're trying more and more to get to a a photorealism where there's very little imagination required. You're just responding to the stimuli from the game. Whereas you look back at some of the old games and you look at what the, the art on the front of the box looks nothing like the gameplay. But while you're playing, it can feel just as real as that artwork on the box did or more
1: because you're actually more immersed and yeah. sort, of, sort of enjoying it. Bubba from Meridian said his first video game was Pong and Jeff and uh, Ponatok said Asteroid. Many hours spent at the arcade playing um, Asteroid. I get, I'm a, you know, well you have Pac-Man too, and sort of all of those that fall in line but I feel like every single person from our generation specifically, you would raise your hand and go, it wasn't a home console but it was Snake on my Nokia. You, it's a, it was some kind of video game kind of, sort of but we would all say We were masters of that during that late '90s sort of period. If you like video games, today is your day. You get a get out of jail free card to play an extra thirty minutes today. I won't say an hour because that seems like a long time. But (laughs) all right, stick with us. We got more for you coming up. next. you got the boys with sports talk from three to six. Rhino and I will meet you back here tomorrow at two. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things.
0: Hear good things for you. Hear good things for you.